I heard a yee, yee, yee. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> it's really motivating. <laughs> really. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, more than anything in the whole world, we just need to look you in the eyes. So I pray that this morning, as we've been doing this whole service, I pray that in these moments of opening up your word, that we can continue to just look you in the eyes and have a conversation with you. I pray, Lord, that um, like you said, that there's coming a day when people would worship you in spirit and in truth, and that these would be the types of worshipers that your Father seeks. I pray, Lord, that we would be those types of worshipers. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. So we're in a series on worship, and uh, our primary text is Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I, I want to focus again on the phrase, pleasing to God. And as we lean into this this morning, the question that has my attention, and the question that's gripped me, is God, what kind of worship do you want? God, what would make you happy? God, what would move your heart? God, what kind of worship do you want? And before we jump into this, I want to share an experience that I had with my son, Hudson, that I hope will help us to frame this conversation in a way that's joyful and not, and not angsty. I actually wrote it, so I'll read it. So last weekend, I was at the indoor park at Woodland Hills Mall playing with, with Hudson when I caught a fresh glimpse of God's generous heart towards me as his child. Hudson was joyfully stumbling around the terrain, clip-clopping about as a one-and-a-half-year-old does when something marvelous caught his attention, the carousel. This wonderful mall attraction where little kids sit on pretend horses that go up and down as the platform moves in a circle. He hobbled over to the gate and watched with a kind of childlike awe and wonder that I'd do anything to recover. He smiled and he laughed as the horses moved up and down, adorned by joyful children. He started to wave his hands excitedly and say what he has loved to say these days. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and then he began to make horse noises. Nay. I was undone. I experienced like I never have before. My father heart filled with desire to give my son a good gift. I found myself restraining tears at the joyful thought of blessing him and getting to experience with him something he had never experienced before. So I picked up my baby boy and I walked to the ticket counter. I got out my wallet and the man at the counter shared that they only took cash. Who carries cash? I thought to myself. <laughs> not me. But I was not deterred. 
We sat back for a moment and watched the next round of kids smiling as the horses leapt and circled them all. I considered my options. I could sneak through the gate as this round of kids exits. (laughs) No, that is stealing. I could ask the man at the desk for a favor, write him an IOU. I could ask some parents for a few bucks. Worst case, I guess I could bring him back another time. Just then, a compassionate parent who had seen the desperation on my face that I think I had been advertising, maybe even intentionally, (laughs) came to me with the three bucks needed to make our dreams come true. I accepted it with embarrassment, almost entitlement, and I joyfully placed Hudson atop Mimi the mall horse. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 and 12. If you then, though you are evil, <clears throat> thanks Lord, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So again, before we jump into this question about, God, what kind of worship do you want? It's important that we establish three things, again, that we've been establishing, three things about this God that we're setting out to worship. One, He's a good father that loves to lavish good gifts upon us. Two, he needs nothing from us. He's not an egotistical, masochistic God. He's completely sufficient in himself in the Trinity. He needs nothing from us. And three, he only asks from us that which is best for us out of his father heart. So what kind of worship does he want? And I think it's important as we press into this question together that we acknowledge that God's people have a track record of really missing the point in this matter. I'm going to read some kind of intense passages, which is why I wanted to couch it in God's father heart and his love. And I hope we'll be able to see that through these texts. The prophet Isaiah addresses this, what we're, uh, this tendency of God's people to miss the point. In the first chapter of Isaiah, he's speaking on God's behalf, and he critiques their worship. Let's read this together. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. 
Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We see a similar critique in Amos chapter 5. Where God speaks to his people through the prophet Amos, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. Either these guys were not asking God what he wanted, or they weren't listening to his answer. How do we know? (laughs) Who has asked this of you? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. What kind of worship does God want? A few examples from the text here. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Please plead the case of the widow. Let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Can't we see the God's Can't we see God's father heart in these texts? Isn't it a marvel when God is critiquing their worship? What he makes it a point to say is, is, hey, can you stop bringing me presents? Can you stop giving me things? Can you stop singing songs to me for a little bit? And can you tend to one another? Can you you love each other? Can't you see the the selflessness of a good and loving dad in these critiques. I want you to live justly towards one another and to be merciful toward one another. Look out for vulnerable people. I want you to flourish together as a community. This is how you can glorify me. A few images come to my mind if you've ever been on a road trip with your your family. Inevitably, what's going to happen at one point in the road trip is your father's going to stop the car and he's going to throw his hands in the air, exasperated. And what he's going to, what's he going to say? Can't you all just get along? Jonathan, stop teasing your sister. Lindy, stop yelling at your brother. Another image that comes to my mind at this same park with Hudson last weekend It was like a little microcosm of society. There's all these little kids playing on this terrain, and I'm I'm observing it kind of from a distance. And and at one point, there are these taller, stronger, older kids, and they're just flying across the terrain, just just nearly missing my my vulnerable little son. You know, and I told myself I wouldn't be this kind of parent, but. 
But I found myself feeling very angry. You know, and, and I wanted to grab these older kids and I wanted to shake them. And I said, could you pay attention to the little ones? You know, could you pay attention to the vulnerable ones? You know, you who, who have strength. You know, you who have power. You who could knock these people over easily and hardly notice it. Would you pay attention to the little ones? So what kind of worship does God want? He wants our declarations of his glory to be accompanied by an ever-increasing embodiment of his glory in our living God wants the truths that we sing to be reflected in the lives that we live. Don't we know that the way that we live matters to God? I think that um, in a lot of ways, for me, Believer's Church has been a, a refuge for me from legalism. And I think that when you grow up in environments where you're convinced that God's acceptance of you and love for you is contingent upon your, your good behavior, that you have to go through a process of, of healing there. We have to go through a process of, of, of allowing the, the truths of the gospel and justification by grace through faith to be established firmly in our hearts to realize that I'm never going to be able to work up the kinds of behavior that I see myself being invited into in Scripture. And, and many of us in the room probably have experienced just how devastatingly crushing and unhelpful it is to just try to squeeze yourself into good behavior. But I feel like the Lord is on a mission on my life, in my life and I think probably for many of us to marry justification by grace through faith, this, this beautiful truth of the gospel that we are set in right relationship with, with God, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. This is our only hope. But to marry this truth with another beautiful truth of the gospel, sanctification by grace through faith. That Jesus didn't just die so that we could be forgiven and then just stuck for the rest of our lives in these sinful patterns. But part of the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the one, it says this in, in Jude, who is able, he is able to keep us from stumbling. And one day he will present us faultless before the Father. And so we give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And, and I think that something that I've needed to do is I've needed to get, get past this anxiety that I feel every time we, we, we start to talk about behavior and, and, and change and recognize that it is, it is good news. It is a, a, a good part of the gospel. It is the gospel that we get to change. That we get to change 
And, and so some of you, if you're like me, you, you heard those passages in Isaiah and Amos, and you started to feel really anxious, and you started to look at your calendar and think, okay, well, I, I guess I need to figure out this week how I'm going to feed the poor. Otherwise, God's going to be disappointed in me, angry with me. Maybe I won't even make it to heaven. You know, so you're starting to form some kind of a rule of life to fit in all the things that are important to God. And, and what I want to say today is that this isn't about making a new strategy, but this is about becoming disillusioned with yourself. And this is about falling at the feet of Jesus, the only one who has ever been able to live purely, the only one who has ever been able to worship in spirit and in truth. And the word that I felt Jesus put on my heart as I was just anticipating, you know, and I was thinking about how I might feel sitting through the reading of those those texts, I felt Jesus say to me, Jonathan, I want you to bring me your spiritual poverty. And I want to give you my purity. I want you to speak to the people and tell them, bring me your spiritual poverty. And I want to give you my purity. Because the truth is, we don't need a new strategy. We need new hearts. We don't need a new strategy. We need, we need the Lord to give us his compassion. We don't need to schedule in times to care for the vulnerable, but we need hearts that are moved with compassion like Jesus is moved com- with compassion when we see vulnerable people. I want to skip ahead to Isaiah chapter 42. Look at this prophecy of Jesus. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. Jesus is his beloved who pleases him. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. Jesus, the hope of all the world. Jesus, the hope of me. Jesus, the hope of you. The Jesus who said, I don't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So I just wonder if we could sit together and ask ourselves, have the invitations in Scripture to lives of blazing holiness, have the invitations in Scripture, the encouragements in Scripture, the in, the, even the expectations that we see from the Lord in Scripture, to grow up into maturity and love, have they caused us to curl back in, in anxiety and fear that we're going to be rejected by God? That's certainly been my story. But I just feel the Lord leading me, and, and maybe he's leading us as a community, most of you are probably already beyond this. But what if we could see the possibility of change as good news? 
What if we could see the possibility of, of growth into having compassionate, loving hearts for vulnerable people, for our neighbor, as good news, as a part of the gospel that we can embrace and trust Jesus to accomplish in us? Amen? This is one of those sermons that you expect is going to be 25 minutes and it's 10. So <laughs> we're just a family here today. So I, I'm just going to try and continue to press into this thought so that it can get into our hearts. So Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can do this in us. You're the only one that can do this in us. And, and, and Lord, I just think of what Paul prayed or what Paul longed for. He said, I am in agony. I am in the pains of childbirth that Christ would be formed in you. And so, Lord Jesus, as your people, as your people, first I want to recognize, Lord, yeah, these, these passages that we just read in Isaiah and Amos, they're, they're old covenant passages, but clearly it is still your desire and maybe even more so because now we have a new covenant and we have your spirit. It is still your desire that we would embody these things that you value. And so Lord, forgive me for perhaps the ways that I've thought that justification by grace through faith makes these truths, these values that you have maybe a little less, more, less important or less applicable to me. Yeah, so Lord, I just pray that you would search our hearts this morning. Would you search our hearts this morning? Jesus, we want our worship to be pleasing to you. We want our worship to be pleasing to you. We want our lives to be pleasing to you. We want our lives to be pleasing to you. And so I just want to, um, maybe the worship team could come up. I just want to lead us into a time of corporate repentance. This is like my my preaching nightmare, but I'm kind of liking it. <clears throat> Is this good? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to play it. Yeah. 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 No, but I think this is what's supposed to happen this morning. For me to be a little bit out of our comfort zone so you guys can be a little bit out of your comfort zone. So if you feel comfortable getting on your knees, uh, if you're able to do that, or if you'd like to stand. One thing that I'll share, just feeling a little crazy this morning. Um, I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this, but when we went through the 
COVID pandemic, it broke my heart. It broke my heart because I felt like the church had an opportunity to be bomb for the world. I felt like the church had an opportunity to be a refuge, to be a safe place for the world that was hurting and scared. But what I saw happen in the church in America and in some ways in our church and in me was that we weren't a whole lot different in the way that we responded in the world. And a lot of that was just what was playing out on social media and I know that uh, those were just kind of the extreme situations, but I just want to cry out to Jesus that we could really believe that he's able to change us, that we could become people capable of otherworldly love, that Believer's Church could be a community of people that the world can look upon and see the kind of love that they don't see anywhere else. So an opportunity for repentance. This is just right out of these passages. If you've not been doing what is right, if you've been treating people unjustly, if your heart is callous towards orphans, widows, refugees, vulnerable people, if you've been harboring unforgiveness, let's just take a minute to repent. Just in your own words.
stand on the stage. Elijah, come up on stand on the stage. Uh, Vicky, will you come stand on the stage? Just the three of you guys right in front of this podium right up here. This makes sense in a second. Um, and can, on media, Owen, can you put up that Isaiah 42 passage? how Jesus has been scheming for us today. At the very beginning of the service, John Yoakum came to me during that song of, when you walk into the room, everything changes. And he said, Kyle, we need to realize that's when we walk into the room. Because we are the presence of Jesus. Do you know that God's not looking at us going, hey, you should have got that right too. <sighs> no, he's like, oh, I'm making you more like me. So whenever you show up, Jesus is there. And so during worship, I felt Ken Weed gets the most cool prophetic words and he shares them later. Like, and like, So I texted him in the middle of service, what's God telling you now? Tell me now. He didn't know what John had said to me, but he said, Gal, you know what we could do? We could take a few people on the stage and we'll reread these texts with their name in it. So look at my servant, Kyle, my chosen. He's my beloved who pleases me. I'll put my spirit on him. He'll proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He won't crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will represent Jesus, who is the hope of the world. Look at my servant, Vicki, whom I've chosen. She is my beloved. She pleases me. I'll put my spirit on her. She'll proclaim justice to the nations. She won't fight or shout or raise her voice in public. She won't crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. She will cause justice to be victorious. And her name will be known because it brings Jesus the hope of all the world. Look at my servant Elijah, whom I've chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I'll put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He won't fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He won't crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will cause justice 
to be victorious. And his name will be known because he brings Jesus, the hope of all the world. Now we're going to pray this all together and we're going to insert our own name in here. Okay, ready? So we're going to pray this out loud. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. I am his beloved who, who pleases the Lord. He will put my spirit on me. This is hard, isn't it? How about, here's what we're going to do. Say it to the person next to you. Then we don't have to change the third person and first person part. Let's do this over again. Okay, so learn, if you don't know the person's name next to you, learn it now. Okay, now we're ready. Okay. (laughs) Hey man, this is family. This is what we do. All right, here we go. Look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved, who pleases me. I will put my spirit on her, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will cause justice to be victorious. His name will be the hope of all the world. Yay! Yay. So we're going to close with this song. This song will be at our benediction that we can ask the Lord because he's the one who's doing this work in us, okay? We're going to talk, this is a song about purity. But no, this is the work he's doing. So this is an invitation to joy, okay? Let's sing this together.
invitation that I'm just sensing is for us collectively to just hop onto the potter's wheel, you know, and to allow ourselves to be formed and shaped by Jesus. And my, my deep hope is that no one is being moved into an anxious flurry to figure out how they're going to change themselves after this morning as we've reflected on the importance of righteous living. But that we could collectively hop back, hopefully, like with hope, onto the potter's wheel, receiving joyfully sanctification as part of the gift given to us in salvation. That Jesus' heart is to shape us into beautifully joyful and loving people. And I was reflecting on John 15, where Jesus talks about our experience of God's love being deepened as we obey him. And what that's not saying is that God's love for us changes when we don't obey him. But our experience of his love deepens as we get on the potter's wheel and allow him to open our hearts for more of his love. And as he shapes us and changes us to look like the image of his son and teaches us not just to declare his glory with our songs, but to embody his glory with just and righteous living. So Jesus, as we close this morning, um, I just pray for anyone that has been stuck feeling like there's no hope for me to change. I just pray, Lord, that we could be given fresh hope this morning, that it is your heart, your desire to grow us up into confident sons and daughters capable of otherworldly love. So would you do that in our community, Lord? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Grace and peace be with you guys.